Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Support for this week's episode is brought to you by DraftKings. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week two game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If if the sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKing.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 142 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday, crazy Sunday, end of the work week, start of the work week, depending on when you're listening to this. You're on your commute, staring at your dashboard, you're looking out the way, you're miserable, you're on the train. What have you. You're here. Let's attack the work week here. I'm actually recording this on Friday. I decided to take today off. It's my first day off and I don't know how long. Um, 
Well, since I went to the lake, when did I go to the lake? And I took those two days, three days off. I think I've had six days off. No, five? Three? Five days off since May? Yeah. So, I took today off. Hung out on the couch until about 10 a.m. Then I wandered over to Dollarama, Value Village. Cashed in my Sarcan check, $110 in empties. And, uh, yeah. Just rolled around. Picked up the Wendell Clark book. I picked up the Wendell Clark book for $6, Bleeding Blue. And then I picked up Charlie Bra- Peanuts, Charlie Brown. Peanuts Guide to Life. Wit and Wisdom from the World's Best Loved Cartoon Characters. I love Peanuts. And there's a lot of, uh, there is a lot of wisdom in that book as I briefly look through it. But, um, yeah, how's everybody doing out there? Is everybody getting ready? I hope everyone's been voting. Um, as you're listening to this Sunday, it'll be the second, second day of Minor League Mayhem, the 64 man crazy Minor League bracket, uh, on Twitter. Um, Man, what, and, uh, of course, last, last week's, uh, or Wednesday's episode was, uh, myself, uh, Jay and Alec from the Five for Fighting podcast. And we sat down and we, uh, we broke down the first round matchups and talked about all 64, uh, contestants, pugilists. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed having those guys on. It was my first time doing a group discussion. So, um, that was pretty cool. Um, hopefully, uh, Looking to do those, uh, looking to do a few more of those in the future. Um, it was great having those guys on. And, uh, yeah. And like I said, it's a fun tournament. Um, of course, uh, with that, you have to, you have to put the bracket out on social media. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so that, and, uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I think I, it seems like I've talked about him every third Saturday. I'm talking about Scott Stevens, but I'll briefly bring that up. Um, the Danbury Trashers, uh, everybody's talking about that. We're going to talk about uh, um, kind of the follow-up to that. Yeah. And um, there is a very good Twitter account called Tough Guy Numbers, and he really breaks down statistics, uh, penalty minutes, fighting majors, and that sort of thing. I asked him for a few things, and I really enjoy his account. And, uh, yeah, we will... Uh, We'll have a look at a few of his tweets. We'll talk about that type of thing. Like I said, it's a real, um, I don't know, mixed bag. What do I always say? A potpourri. A potpourri of pugilism here on the, uh, fi- on the, uh, uh, uh Jesus. What, uh, can you believe I almost said the Five for Fighting podcast? That mud, I'm associating myself with that mud show with his fucking Taiwanese massage parlor neon sign behind him and, oh, God, I feel like I'm in Vegas, but like in the real bad part of Vegas. Yeah, but here we are. What should I do? Well, we'll do, I was, yeah, I guess you gotta talk about the sponsors, right? I mean, you gotta talk about the guys sending you the checks. So that'd be the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, they're all about ready to fire up here. Um, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Um, like I said, camp's starting here quickly and, uh, the season will be upon us. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, and the Seattle Kraken. Oh, yes. Yep. More turds for the pile. I can't wait. 
And uh, can't wait to uh, hockey Twitter to cry about everything that's mean and awful. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine that Danbury fucking biography on Netflix probably gave some of these fucking losers nightmares. Yeah, Brad Wingfeld's just a fucking devil now, you know. But um, what was I just saying? Oh, yeah, the network. Yeah, so all the NHL teams are represented. Of course, for my off-network uh, folks, uh, as I said earlier, uh, Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast. Tremendous back catalog. Yablonski, Rob Ray, uh, Segroy, on and on, Kevin Kaminsky. And uh, he, well, so, like I said, I'm recording this on Friday. So on Fridays, Alec, Alec runs the Enforcer, or he created, and he runs the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. And what he's starting to do is some live interviews, and he does them on Friday nights. Well, here we are, and he's got friggin' John Searson from the UK. That's how far we tumble. We're really trying to, I think we're trying to really, uh, you know, clear out the group here. Uh, oh, that mud show from across the pond. I will say, well, I always got, I will say, Searson's always running around on the UK forums and over there, and he, and he pimps out my episodes. I, you know, I'm starting to question if that's good or bad or not. I don't know. The more, the more I listen to him, uh, I don't know. That could be hindering, <coughs> that could be hindering my show for all I know. Hold on. I gotta take a drink. Holy. Landshark, here's to you. First in this hand. So, um, but yeah, Searson's going to be on, um, I don't really know what we're doing tonight, I think we're going over my prayer, so I might not be around for that, unfortunately, I'd like to be, because I'd like to be sitting in that chat, and I'd be just giving it to those two, but, uh, definitely check that out, if you're not around for his, uh, Friday live chat, it'll come out in audio form on, uh, on Tuesdays, um, if, you know, if he gets around to it, I don't know, he throws an episode around now and again, and forgets some weeks, and I don't know, like I said, you know, seasonal Ole, that's that's his title. So, you know, we'll see if he gets around to it or not. Well, I mean, when he does, he does good work, but, eh, you know. Alex's a glass half full guy. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And, uh, and of course, then we got uh, Jolton Joel Lozito, the Long Island legend himself. Give me the Lozito over there. And, uh, you know, the the, print, the the Prince of New York. Prick of, no, Prince of New York. No, what did I just say? Yeah. Coney Island, Long Island, all the islands, the, all the boroughs. Yep, Joe's got him covered. Joe is a New York Islander enforcer podcast. Uh, he's had Fakoda, Ewan, Strudwig, Asham, on and on, on, on and on. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm literally, I'm six beers in here. So yeah, we're we're rolling along. It's been a good, we're it's been a solid Friday afternoon here. Um, but yes, just had Vern Smith on, like I said, um, and like I said, Joe, Joe got some really positive feedback and actually shared it, which was really, in all seriousness, which was really cool. Um, the family of Vern Smith got to hear their dad and, uh, or uncle or what out of you, um, tell his story and they were really, you know, because it's not like, oh, here, sit down kids. Let me regale you with some Springfield stories, you know? Uh, I mean, over the years, I'm sure they've heard bits and pieces, obviously, and asked questions. But um, when you get that down in an hour and a half, two hour form, and the and the the player goes over their entire career, it's um, 
and I've experienced the same thing when you hear from people. It's really eye-opening. They, oh, I didn't know that about him. And this is like their kid or their brother or what have you, right? And, um, yeah, so it was really cool to see that feedback that Joe, that Joe received. And, uh, and, and like I said, doing these shows, that's, that's the feedback you look for. I mean, it's always cool when people, you know, oh, that was a cool show. I liked the interview and ew, he's my favorite and I love doing Roanoke and you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and that, and that's all, that's great too. I mean, that's what you're doing it for, but, um, it's a little something extra when it's the family, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, so that was, that was really cool to see, but, um. You know what else is cool? Well, it might be cool to see. Yeah, it depends. Your well, now that I'm saying this out loud, you might take that back. But Joe has merch, and he's got his face on everything: shirts, hats, pens, pencils, uh, coffee mugs, frisbees, uh, you name it. And of course, Alec threw out the 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 comment about Christmas. So apparently, uh, Joe said, "Well, Christmas decorations." So here, like I said, I always say, here's your chance, you know, here's, if, if you want to get in the festive season, what is more festive than holding Joe's balls? So you can get a Joe Lozito Christmas ornament, you know, um, he's, he's the, if you go down the neighborhood, he's sort of the, the Clark Griswold, he's got the lights up, he's a big Christmas guy anyway, you know, and, and he's always talking about come over and see Joe's pole, you know, whether it be north, south, what have you. Joe, Joe's a, you know, Christmas, Christmas guy. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year's uh, line of, uh, of, of Christmas merchandise from Joe. And, uh, yeah, like I said, poles, balls, you know, there's a lot of things. Hey, that, that's, that might, I think that'll really catch on this year on Long Island as the Lazito pole. So, you know, it gets around. Or it did. What are we talking about now? What was I talking? Hold on, I gotta get my paper here. Oh, Lazito's podcast. Yeah, he does a podcast too. Bang up job, you know. For a merchandiser, he does a hell of a podcast. I'll tell you that. But uh, check it out, Coliseum Chronicles. Jolton Joel Lazito, get rid of Lazito. All right, let's get into this business. I was writing stuff down, folks, all all week. Uh, I have a notepad or a little sticky or whatever you call those post-it notes in my truck. And, um, as things come to me or I read social media and get mad about things, uh, I start jotting things down in a little point form, you know, and like I said, it's just point form. And then I just hit record and ramble. There is no, uh, well, clearly there is no, uh, uh, thought out script for this or what have you. Um, I, I legit actually just sort of hit record and go, oh, of course, everybody listening. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So hold on here. I gotta take a drink. I'll, I'll hit pause this time. See, there we go. I took a drink. It was like it never happened. <laughs> I laugh. I, I can't remember who it was. It was last week. Someone was asking me about editing my show. I said, fuck, are you serious? Do you listen? To, do you think I edit anything? Have you listened to this? I always laugh. Oh, oh, I listen to every episode. But then he's asking me about editing my show. That's where I knew you were full of shit. Yeah. Clearly, if you listen to this show for any length of time, you'll know I don't edit shit. So, uh... No, I legit don't edit things. Um, I don't go back and listen to shit. Um, yeah. The only time I ever edit anything is if I'm doing an interview with someone and they get a hold of me later and say, can you take that out? Um, or I shouldn't have said that or whatever. And uh, so then I will. So that's when, of course, when I hear my... Because it's like, oh, I said that during when we were talking about this. 
okay, well, now I have to go back. And I have an idea of, um, like, where they said it cause due, due to the timeline. But then I will listen. Obviously, I have to listen to the show while I'm trying to find the edit part. That hasn't happened very often, but a handful of times. But, I mean, if they ask to edit, obviously, I will edit it out for the guest. But, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you edit. No, I don't edit. Um, I don't know. For me, it's... Uh, um, I think it's a lot more real when you don't. Now, I mean, and of course that can come with, um, you know, the, it, I, it certainly sounds less, prof- nah, I'm using air quotes, professional. Not that I think I'm professional, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it's, it's a little, obviously a little less polished. Um, I've always just kind of, you know, for a while I always kind of looked at it as pretend radio and you tried to be professional or whatever and, and, and that type of thing. And I mean, I suppose I could go back and edit out the, 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 the beers and the drinking and the, you know, and the burps and the farts and everything else. But, um, I don't know. I, I just kind of, uh, I mean, obviously I don't try to do that during an interview when I have a player on. I, I obviously respect them enough to not, you know, belch into the microphone as they're talking or anything like that, but just, I don't know, the solo episodes when it's just me sitting here. Um, not that I'm ever going to belch into the microphone, but, um, um, I don't know. I, I always just kind of feel like it should, it's more real when it's, um, yeah, just hit record and talk. And you know, you're just like you, I, I'm, I, I guess the feeling that I'm going for is that like, we're just hanging out in the basement and sitting on the couch and, uh, you know, just drinking some beers and, and watching a fight DVD or something. Um, that's, that's always kind of the vibe I've gone for with my show. So, um, yeah, so you're not going to get a lot of editing. Honestly, folks, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm a bunch of beer deep, so you're probably going to get me rambling a lot today. And, uh, you know, I, I don't give a fuck. So, my show. Don't like it? Tune out. But you're here now. So clearly there's got to be something that brought you here. What is it? I want to hear from you. Um... If you're on social media, why would you do that to yourself? But if you are, uh, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as Facebook. Um, as I said, the aforementioned Forcer Appreciation Group, definitely sign up for that. Um, it's somewhat of a message board like the old message board days. Obviously, it'll never will be the same like that. But, I mean, that's as close as you're going to get these days um, for it. Um, yeah, other than that... Um, yeah. Oh, and YouTube. Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Um, I have over 2,500 fight videos on there. Um, ch- check them out now. The way YouTube's going and they're cracking down and getting rid of accounts, I don't know how much longer my, mine's going to be around, but give it a look. Um, any league you're looking for, um, I have everything sorted, so just type in AHL, OHL, NHL, whatever. Something will come up. Like I said, 2,500 videos. You'll you'll have something to watch. Um yeah, and I, I'd like to, um, I'd obviously like to up, be uploading every day or adding more stuff, but unfortunately, um, you know, we're kind of in the process of trying, trying being the key word, to sell our condo. So in order to do that, like to show it and everything, we cleaned up the clutter, right? The clutter, including my DVDs. So we basically cleaned out the back room here and uh, all my DVDs, 
take two. All my DVDs are sitting in my parents' basement in a Rubbermaid tub. So um, I don't have a lot of stuff here to upload. Um, I have a few things. Jay in Finland has been really great. Chris, uh, my boy Chris in Vancouver. Um, John, uh, Searson. Um, you know, I shit on Searson a lot. But yeah, he comes through for uh, here and there. I mean, people say he's not fit to shovel horse shit. I said he is so. So, I mean, I stick up for him. But uh, he'll send... The big thing now, of course, is downloading the files. Man, that's slick. You upload something, it takes, I don't know, whatever, 45 minutes to upload something, and you just send them the link. Boom, they got it. Instead of, like, you know, weeks and weeks in the mail and all that, man, technology. But, uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of us that'll, uh, you know, we're doing the file sharing thing now. So, I mean, I have a lot of that on my computer. Um, So I should get to uploading that. Maybe this weekend I'll do some of that. Um, But subscribe to the channel. Um, hit the little notification so whenever I upload something, boom, you got it. And when, when we move, we get into the house, I have lots of YouTube projects that I have planned out and, uh, we'll get that channel really hopping and, uh, hey, it's monetized. Hey, make some money off that bitch, right? But I have some really cool ideas. Just like do kind of, you know, like mini, like little 10 minute biographies or, or go back to the guys I've interviewed and maybe take out little sound bites and add it. Or if they're talking about a certain fight and I have that fight, maybe put the fight with their audio over top of it, that type of thing. Like Dean Mayrad when he's discussing winning like that black and blue enforcers tournament. Have him have the Segroy fight going at the same time while he's talking about it. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, just shit like that. So uh, definitely check that out in the weeks and months to come. But um, all right. I don't know, what, what are we going to talk about here first? I, I, like I said, I'm rambling all over the place. Um, for the UK fans, um, hold on here, hold on, I'm going to hit pause. So it, it feels like I do it right away, but I'm going to hit pause. See, and then it sounds, see now, see now that's editing, right? Now I just came right back like you didn't even know I left. But I hit hockey DB. Um, Kyle Flemington, who of course played a couple years in Edinburgh. He's an OHL guy. A couple years at the Edinburgh Capitals. Then the Wheeling Nailers and Fort Wayne. Well, he is now an NHL referee. He got hired on by the NHL. He's doing the lines, doing the lines this year. So, I think he did some scrapping over there. I remember seeing his name come up. Six seven, two Jesus. I just look at six seven, two twenty seven. He'll be bigger than like every guy that's in the fight in the NHL. Shit. That'll be something like breaking up fights when he's tougher than like fucking three quarters of the guys in the fights that he's breaking up. But there you go. Kind of a, well, I don't know if I'd call him a tough guy, but a gritty dude. I remember seeing his name come up in some few fight logs. Um, so yeah, he's reffing. Um, oh, yeah, uh, you got over in Finland. He sent me this. He's always sending me these messages and stuff. But I was last week when I talked about the WHL <laughs> putting in their fucking, uh, their chin strap and the oh, if you try to undo the guy's helmet or rip his helmet off, you get an extra tent, blah blah blah, all that bullshit. Well, he sent me this one. Um, this, I, what is this? Um, this must be from some elite league. Um, oh, yeah, here, hold on, I went and okay, you get in the finish, you now get a 10 minute misconduct for provoking the opponent. So, of course, I responded to him. I said, I don't, what does that even mean? So, it's verbal provocation. There we go, folks. So, don't say, do you want... Because if you say, do you want to go, you're getting an extra 10 minutes now. That's verbal provocation. What are we doing here? 
And then I, and, and like I said, and then I, I read these people, like, and the message boards and everything. And God bless them, whatever. But, well, if it still gets rough, they'll bring the enforcer back. What the fuck are you guys talking about? Bring the enforcer back. Holy shit, you can't even undo your fucking chin strap. And we got these fucking idiots in the fucking group talking about, oh, we're, they're going to bring the enforcer back if things keep getting out of hand. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Fuck, you get not, ver, verbal provocation. Oh, like, well, yeah, let's just pile more things onto the ref to do. <laughs> verbal. So I guess, it's, you know, so here, hey, this is a very good opportunity for um, players to learn sign language. That's maybe what you should do. Hey, it's nonverbal. So all you young aspiring enforcers out there, Get down to the local school of the deaf and learn some sign language. It'd probably take a couple days, but it just, you know, you just gotta learn, wanna go, uh, drop your gloves, let's do it, you know, whatever. You know, you learn a few phrases and boom, we're ready to go. And you won't be getting tens. Alright. Oh, the other one. Old Paul Bissonette. Congratulations, Biz. He has signed up for the TNT. He, what is TNT? I don't even know what TNT is, but he's on the he's on the board. He's on the uh, the game discussion panel because apparently they're doing NHL games along with uh, who is it? Anson Carter, Wayne Gretzky, and Rick Tockett and Paul Bissonette. Fucking a! How about that for a lineup? What does Canada got? Oh, we fucking we got Ron McLean, uh, Elliot Friedman. Uh, fuck, where Stevie Dangle? Let's get him involved. Uh, we got a couple goalies and, uh, and, and Jennifer Botterill that if you say anything disagreeing with her, she makes faces and she's offended. So yeah, that's who we have. And they have Gretzky talk at Biz and Anson Carter. Uh, if I had to watch this horse shit, I kind of know what I'd be tuning into, but I laughed. So they get Biz who obviously is going to attract a few folks from Barstool or whatever. But all these people, oh, he won't be able to swear. Like, like he's just fucking out there dropping F-bombs and everything else. Like, you dumb shits. See, this is, like, I always laugh at these people. Like, they go on and on about what huge, what huge hockey fans they are. What fucking bubble do you live in? I don't even watch this horse shit. And I know he's the fucking radio guy for Arizona. But you fucking goofs that are big fan, apparently big fans, don't know that. So you, what do you just think on air, uh, during the fucking Coyotes games? He's just dropping F-bombs and everything else? Like, oh, you, just you tools. Well, this isn't going to last five minutes. They'll fire him for swearing. Well, okay. Well, first of all, they got a delay button, dummy. But no, he won't. Like... Like, I know Biz plays the character on the Spit and Chiglet show and whatever. Do you really think they're like that? You fucking idiots. Like, ugh. That's why I hate, I just hate fucking sports fans. I, I really do. Like, just, ah, oh. Buffoons. And just, like, clueless clowns especially this gen z group like this new age fan like you're trying oh you're just you're pathetic 
Like, you never fucking played anything. You just, whatever. It's all about fucking stats and third jerseys. That That's what sport hockey is to you. Oh, and the Hurricanes are... If everyone had as much fun as the Hurricanes, the game would be so much better. And every tweet's got to have half a dozen fucking hashtags and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I can't believe they're having biz on. Well, they're not getting... I'm not watching. Oh, well, God forbid you don't watch. Because Bissonette's on, so I I like that one. Hashtag, I'm out. No one fucking cares, Karen. Like, do you really... Do you think... I laugh the self-importance. Do you think you matter? Really? It's amazing to me. Anyway, what else should we talk about? Um, oh, there's been a bunch of times I'm no longer a member of the group. I kind of, I was admin there and I hung up my administration hat and I said, well, with the amount of fucking goofs that you got trying to run this place and taking this shit, uh, taking their administration status way too serious. You literally have inmates running the asylum. I stepped back. I said, I'm out of here. You want to me? you like get named admin to these groups. Cause all oh, we got to, we got too many idiots. We got to fucking clean it up, whatever. So you start cleaning it up. Cause there's a bunch of posts and everything that lead, just lead to idiocy. So I started erasing all the thing. Oh, and then they put them back up. One of the, post happens to be about Scott Stevens. Very polarizing character on social media. When you put Scott Stevens up, of course the Gen Z group cannot handle it. They don't. They can't wrap their head around it. Because they think like Tom Wilson's mean. You know, which is amusing. But Scott Stevens is just like I said, the Antichrist. Like he's just, holy shit. And oh, he's, and even like hardcore fans. Oh, he was dirty. He was a headhunter. Well, so he's dirty because he hit too hard? I said to one guy, what's dirty though? I don't know what's dirty. How many times was he suspended? None that I know of. Well, you could get away with more back then, blah, blah, blah. blah. No, if it was still dirty, they'd suspend you. It wasn't like, oh, people were just doing everything and no one ever, ever got suspended. Like, people got suspended. And then I, I see people comparing Scott Stevens to like Alf Samuelson and, and like Brian Marchment and stuff. Whose knee did Scott Stevens blow out? Whose eye did he ever take out with a stick? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, he's in that group. Really? He is? What stick foul, like, what stick penalty did Stevens ever take? So essentially, you're, you're, the only thing you're really mad about Scott Stevens is, is that he hit too hard. Okay. So his, his dirtiness is the result of hitting too hard. Is what it comes down. Oh, he! I'll maintain he always elbowed Lindros. He didn't. You can maintain whatever you want. And clearly, you're just ignoring the video. Like you talk like there's no video out there. Fuck! There's overhead, back, rear, reverse, slow mo. There's more goddamn video of that hit than than the like you like it's like the fucking Zapruder film or something. So I again, I don't know what hit you're watching because he didn't hit him with his elbow. So I don't know what hit you're watching. Oh, you're a Philadelphia fan. Oh, maybe that's why there's a flying elbow. There isn't. Oh, the hit on Stevens. Or the, the hit on Korea. Paul Korea himself said it wasn't dirty. But here you are crying about it. Oh, it was late. Well, it's late when you do the, when you put it in slow-mo. Play it at full speed. That's the thing. When you have to 
when you're when you're justifying your argument by because you, and the only way you can do it is to slow it down. Then you don't really have much of an argument, do you? When you have to alter the video, you don't have much of an argument. Stevens was a bad motherfucker, and he was mean. There's a difference between mean and dirty. It's amazing the number of people that can't figure that out. You don't have to like him. I'm not saying that, but don't put him in with all Samuelson and Brian Marchman, because that's completely different shit. But that's it. I've talked about Scott Stevens enough. I'm not going to talk about him for a while. But uh, it'll eventually come up. But of course, the big thing is the Danbury thing. And uh, I will. I want to thank everybody right now for listening. Um, well, if you stuck around, I, maybe you didn't. I'm sure a lot didn't. But um, anything with Danbury associated with it is through. It's just like going through the roof night now in popularity, due to, of course, the documentary that came out, Crime and Penalties, that was on Netflix. It's trending on Netflix, um, and it is a story of the Danbury Trashers of the United Hockey League that were around for only two years. Amazingly enough, from 2004 to 2006, and they were run by mobster Jimmy Galante, who did a, who was in the waste management business, i.e. trashers, and uh, he bought a hockey team, or created a hockey team, he didn't buy one, he created one, and uh, they were an expansion team, and he gave it to his 17-year-old son to run, who was the GM, AJ, and um, he did a great job. The first year they finished, uh, they lost in the second round, and then the second year they lost in the final. So he was doing something right, um, but their whole vibe was they were a tough team, and they, they called themselves the bad boys of hockey, and they had Brad Wingfeld and Morasti and Roman Ender and and on and on. Bruce Richardson, they had a bunch of guys. Um, Bia Lois, Chad Wagner, Stephen Pete for a little bit. Um, Mike Rupp, who I don't think fought, though, when he was there. But, yeah, Ryan Barnes. So they had, they had tough guys come through town, and the league hated them. The, op- the opposition hated him. And uh, whenever one guy did anything, of course, the it's even on the documentary, the fucking commissioner would just throw the book at him. So, okay, you get this guy 20 games. Well, AJ, just go sign Frank Bailoas for the weekend. That's how he did it. Love it. And, um, and they were successful. And uh, like I said, when you finish in the first year, in the, you lose in the second round, and in the second year, you lose in the final. Well... You don't just do that by fighting. There's the, there's a little black thing rolling around out there that you got to put in the net every once in a while. And they did that very successfully. Um, but anyway, it's been interesting. Of course, everybody and their dog that has a podcast has had either Wingfeld on, AJ Galant on lately, or whoever. And they're all, or else, if it's just a bunch of guys sitting around talking about the Trashers documentary, on and on and on. And I've watched... Um, I've listened to about five or six shows of guys talk, not with Wingfield, because, okay, two years ago I had Brad Wingfield on, and we talked about Danbury and everything else. That, the Danbury story isn't new to me, because I grew up in that time frame. I knew all, I know all about the Danbury story. I knew all about it before the documentary came out. Um, because I, like, again, I lived through that time, and I knew guys that were playing on the team at the time. John Morasti, what have you, and I talked to his agent all the time, and I'd hear the stories. So I knew they were getting paid under the table and all that stuff. And then he was a mobster and blah, blah, blah. Hell, I own original Danbury long sleeve shirt, t-shirts. I had Danbury gear. I loved the whole idea of the Danbury Trashers. Um, and, it, and it's really cool with the documentary coming out now that a whole new generation is being exposed to it. Um, 
in, and having that, and having said that, um, this Gen Z group or whatever, I can't wrap their head around that. Cause again, they, they think Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves are mean. And if you throw a hard body check, you're a bully. I mean, hockey culture, you know, they think that shit's mean. So they look at this shit and they're like, Oh my God, you know, their head explodes. Um, what was my point? Well, my point is that all these guys that are on these shows talking about it, and, and like I said, it's cool that it's out there, and, and AJ's going around on all the different shows, and, Wing, and, and Wingfield, and, and that's cool that those guys are getting some press. Like I said, all the Brad Wingfield fights on my YouTube channel are, you know, are like, not trending, but like, they're all popping, and, because I can see every 40, like I get the, uh, what's the word, analytics, and I can see that they're, they're a big spike in watching those, and, uh, and, um, my, my Wingfield interview from two years ago, I see the amount of downloads that it's connect, it's catching right now. It's really popular. Um, a couple of weeks back, I actually took the old Wingfield interview and I just took out the Danbury portion of it. It's about 20, my 25 minutes. And, um, I just re-uploaded that and, and that episode did really well. And, um, like I said, it was bouncing around. It was about 40th in Canada on chartables. And so, yeah, everything with trashers involved. Uh, for this last little while. Well, Alex selling his, he had a Frank Bailoa's game worn Danbury jersey that, you know, Frank probably wore for four or five games. And he sold that on eBay. And I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, whatever. That's his business, but he got fucking really good money for it. Uh, you know, four figure money. And, um, you know, so that's and good for him. And there's guys selling jerseys. And hey, if the market's out there and people want it, people are going trash or crazy. So it's really cool. And, uh, hey, I dig it. Um, but point of my fucking, my rambling here, um, <laughs> at the end, and it's like, whatever, but I said, there's a lot of people talking about the Danbury Trashers that have no fucking business talking about the Danbury Trashers because they don't know, or they watch the documentary. Now they think they know. And I think that's the thing, right? They, like I always say, they know just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. So they go on these podcasts and they talk and. And, oh, well, Brad Wingfield's crazy and what he did there. You had the mob and they're phoning guys to go beat up people and, and they're injuring the other team and they're starting fights and that's not good for hockey and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, again, it was 17 years ago. Clearly hockey is nothing like that anymore. So don't worry, Cupcake. It's, it's fine. Like no one's, no one's advocating for that anymore. It's never gonna happen. Don't, Hey, it's never going to happen again. Trust me. There is nobody playing junior that's like Brad Wingfield or John Morasti. There isn't. I'm not knocking today's kids, but there isn't. All right? They're not coming. Don't worry about it. And those that are on the fringe can't just all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to be mean now. doesn't work that way. You either have it or you don't. It's not something you just learn. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna make. I'm gonna play pro hockey in the minors, and I'm just gonna be a fighter. I'm just gonna be a tough guy now. Okay, so you've you you fight once in junior in three years or whatever, and turn pro, and now all of a sudden, oh, oh here we go. I'll, I'm gonna be the next John Morasti. Are you high? It doesn't work that way. So everybody, calm down. It's not like a bunch of 12-year-olds are going to watch the Danbury documentary and we're going to have dozens of Wingfields attacking junior hockey in the next couple of years. No. 
oh fuck, you can't even undo your chin strap anymore. Or was it verbal? You can't be verbal about it. So yeah, you think it's fucking Danbury's gonna come back. Yeah, okay. I love the overreaction. So of course you have these people crying that it wasn't good for hockey. Well, it was at the time. Because if Danbury had created the team and, and fucking put out ice capades, 17 years later, we wouldn't be talking about them. Nobody in Danbury would give a shit. I imagine most nights, everybody would come dressed as a chair. And that would be, there'd be no fucking horn. We know one, what was it, section 104 or whatever the section was. No, there'd be none of that. It would just be another team that was around for a couple years that no one fucking remembers. But instead, they sold it like they were the baddest dudes ever. They were Darth Vader. And, oh, and they were going to scare everybody and bully everybody. And they did. But I think what the giant misconception is, I don't think I know from listening to these shows, and it's the same... Thing, and then I, and a bunch of times I've, I heard while these people were talking, they started comparing the Danbury team, oh, the LNAH, the Quebec League, Laval, and Sorrel, and all these teams. And like I said the other episode, well, first of all, Danbury had tough guys and all that stuff, but the, like, the Laval Chiefs and the Sorrel Mission and all that, Danbury was fucking Sunday school compared to the LNAH. Because the difference is, is Danbury might have had tough guys, but all the teams they were playing didn't. Now, you know, each team, here, I'll, hold on. Yeah, like all the other, like there were some tough guys in the league. Um, Willis, uh, Eric LaBelle. Um, what, let, let's hear, what, here, I'll go through hockey. Dan, who was in Fort Wayne at the time? You know, Dan Stewart. Uh, Jeff Walton. Um, who was in Rockford? Oh, I already said the aforementioned, uh, uh, well, Bruce Watson and Eric LaBelle. Um, Crookshank, Blant, Brandon Fleener in Fort, in, uh, Motor City, Missouri. Frank Littlejohn, Quentin Van Horlock, Quad City. Uh, oh, my boy, Les Borsheim, Dave Stewart, Kansas City, George Davis. That'd be about it. Uh, who'd Port Huron have? Matt Goody. You know, so that was about it. I mean, you know, like I said, but then when you talk about, like, the Quebec League teams, I mean, just the Sorrell team, you know, Mayrad, Renard, uh, Tyler Lawson, Brad Lambert, you know, on and on, you know, who'd Laval have? Swanee, Cote, you know, Bosse, Burnett, you know, like, all these teams had, you know, four, five, six legit fighters. Every team. So Danbury, you know, like I said, every, they had the run of the yard while everybody else was chained to the porch. So, and again, I'm not knocking Eric LaBelle or, or Frank, Frankie Littlejohn or anything, any or Jason Lawmaster or any guys like that. Yeah, they're tough guys in their own right. But, you know, they were they were running one too deep on those teams. Yeah, okay. So you get four or five kind of tougher guys or three or four guys on, on Danbury. And then all of a sudden everyone acts like they were the bullies. 
Oh, and they were out to hurt people and everything else. Well, Brad Wingfeld, okay, this is the misconception. Oh, he was getting phone calls. Well, that was crazy, the phone call part. But he was getting phone calls to take guys out. Well, he wasn't taking out the first-line centers. He even says it in the story. He'd line up beside the guy and tell him, hey, bud, we got to go. Oh, I'm not fighting you. Yeah, well, we are, because so... But he's talking to the other team's tough guy. He's not talking to the fucking leading scorer on the other team. And I talked to a few guys that played in the LNA. I mean, I already knew the answer, but I phoned Dean Mayrad and I phoned a few guys. No, they were never sent out to fucking go and take out the... Or go take out the knee of the 50-goal scorer. Like, people just assume, like, they just watch too many movies or something. Or you read too much of the hockey news. Now... They would hit teams and face wash and rough them up. Nothing to miss shifts or injure people, but they'd be on you. The extra shot after the whistle, maybe a little cross check in the back, a little pop in the head, you know, tell you they're going to kill you or whatever. Well, that's not life threatening and you're missing shifts over it. Now you can go, that's dirty. Well, okay, that's dirty, but you know, they're, they're going to push the issue on you, but they're not. Albuing you in the head and concussing people and taking out knees and, and everything else. Or just, oh, you want to, or just jumping people and beating on them. Now, in the Quebec League, yeah, there was some line brawls, but I can tell you when Dean Mayrad hopped the bench to do a line brawl, he wasn't looking for the, for, you know, fucking Sherbrooke's 50 goal scorer to grab and beat up. No, he'd go look for Varhog or Robodas or whoever the tough guys were on the team. Tough guys aren't, they, they pride themselves in fighting other tough guys. They don't, they're not going to go out and fucking grab what, the skilled guys. No. Now, there's no absolutes in life. Did that ever happen? Well, of course it happened. Cause that, and then you I know people have the argument. Well, there's one time. Oh yeah, it's always the one time. Yeah, the one time in band camp. Well, fuck, there's always whataboutisms in the one times. I'm saying, on, the norm is the tough guys go after the tough guys. They don't go after the scores. Now, and having said that, you're going to play fucker. See, this is the difference. This is where the NHL fan can't wrap their head around because in the NHL, there's no consequences. So they don't understand this. Or then when Wilson and Reeves makes people pay the price, they don't understand it because there's no, there's no uh, consequence for your actions. That seems to be a general theme in life in general these days. But... In the LNH or with Danbury or what have you. If you were going to play fuck around, you were going to, you know, you, you weren't going to be around is what it was, you know, so there was no, though afterwards they were going to go in the press and tell you next game you're dead or they weren't going to, they were going to block you on Instagram or on Twitter like they do nowadays and no one does anything but they'll talk shit in the press after the, after the game. Oh, next time we play in February, he's going to get it. Oh yeah, sure. You know, and then February comes, you can hear a mouse piss on cotton and no one does nothing. You know, no, in the LNH, yeah, no, it was going to happen the next shift. So if you were going to act, and it didn't matter if you're the goal scorer or whatever, if you're going to act like a goof and do stupid shit, you're going to get it. It's called consequences to your actions. The NHL had that shit nowadays. There'd be a lot more or less, there would be a lot less bullshit going on, and your stars would be a lot, it wouldn't be getting hurt so much. But alas, here we are. So no, there's accountability. So there's a difference. So you can go, so the new age fans will call that dirty or bullying or whatever. No. So that's the difference. Accountability isn't dirty. So let's get that straight. That seems to be the misconception, or that's the, 
the sticking, the crux of all this. Like I said, but people are held accountable. All of a sudden, they're dirty. So if that's the thing in the NHL. You can go do stupid shit, and then so and so will come out and challenge you. That's the other because you got to oh, you got to have respect the code. Let's go, and this guy can no, no, I don't want to. Well, there you go. Like, I, like, what's the big like perfect example? Nicholas Cromwell. Everybody oh Cromwell, all the big hits he threw. Do you know? How many, I'm not lying. Do you know how many? Do you know how many career fighting majors he had? Zero. So he was never held accountable. So that's the thing. He could run around and be a donkey. And I don't blame him. Let's get that straight. I don't blame him. If you're going to run around, no one's going to do shit to you. Why not run around? For sure. But the rules and the hockey mindset and the fan, even the fans' mindset in this day and age is, there you go. We'll let the league handle it. The league's not going to do it. All of a sudden, the league's the enforcer. The ref is the enforcer now. You know? So, yeah, there's no accountability for your actions anymore. And like I said, and then when they're held accountable, all of a sudden, oh, he's mean, he's dirty. Like all of a sudden when like Reeves will grab somebody, maybe, or punch him, and then, oh, he's mean. So do you think he just did that like out of the blue? He just hopped over the boards and like, I'm going to just grab somebody and start just punching them and, and kneeing them and driving their face into the ice or whatever. Do you just think that just happened? Oh, he snapped. You really think he just snapped? Or do you not think? Like the whole Ryan, that was it, Ryan Graves in the playoffs there? When he neat, when he like leaned on his head and whatever and everybody was just outraged. They didn't know why. Cause everyone forgot in the first period that Ryan Graves threw the fucking hit that concussed the Vegas guy. And then throughout the game while he was being challenged to fight and scrums and everything else, oh, he was having a good old laugh about it and turning everybody down. So when the score got out of hand, the third period came around, Reeves grabbed the motherfucker and beat him. And everyone was upset. They didn't know why. You really, you didn't know why. Well, Ryan Graves brought that, Ryan Graves brought that beating on himself. But people can't wrap their heads around that anymore. That's just being mean. Oh yeah. Well, go tell the, so reason go tell his concussed buddy. Ah, suck it up, man. Bro. That's where we're at. So no, as I listen to these people talking about Danbury trashers and, yeah, I mean, they talk about the documentary or whatever, but again, they're talking about shit they don't know anything about. Or the only thing they know about Danbury is the 50-minute documentary they just watched. Which was, of course, they're going to slant it to make it sound like, oh, they were all just crazy and it was Zulu and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, they finished in the fucking league final and got into the second round of the playoffs. So, like I said, it couldn't have been that It wasn't a fucking goof troop. Like, again, if they had missed the playoffs and went, you know... 20 and 52, well then you could maybe say, yeah, they were a fucking idiot sideshow circus. But they were one of the top teams in the league and finished in the final and lost to Kalamazoo in the final. So clearly, you had you got to play a little too. You know, this isn't goddamn fucking Blades of Steel where if you win the fight, you get the power play. Like, no. Now again, did they go overboard a few times? Of course they did. Wagner snapped and going after the coach and whatever. You know, yeah, they knew they knew how to market it. They knew how to put on a show. And what the fans in that area wanted. And clearly what the fans on the road wanted because they were the number one road team. I'm sure they, you know, when when they came to town, all the people came up and go, oh, God, we got to see these guys. So not only would they come in, beat you up, they'd fucking kick the shit out of you and they'd beat you 6-1. You know, and then probably go to the bar, have some beer and take your women. You know. And they and people don't like that. Well, it worked. It's odd how physical hockey always seems to work. 
interesting. Was it Pat Maroon who keeps getting picked up at the at the deadline? Yeah, but it must be for all the goals he scores, right? What is it? Three times? Th- three cups in a row? Gee, I wonder why. What does he bring? Idiots. Physical. Nature over nurture. Every time. But, what else was I talking about? Tough guy numbers. If you happen to be on Twitter, the tough guy numbers, that's his Twitter, uh, check it out. Uh, does some, just does some cool shit with just, uh, you know, just talking about old stats and stuff. And I'm just kind of scrolling his feed now. Here we go. Uh, most major penalties in the NHL from 2005 to 2009. Who was number one? Too many beers here, folks. Hold on. Um, George Peros with 94 fights. Second was Ian LaPerriere with 78. Third, Colt Nor with 75. Then Zach Sorrentini, 66. Jared Bowles, 64. Goddard, 62. Jody Shelley, 61. Barch, 59. Jansen's 56. Brashear, 54. Carcillo, 54. Um, it's funny when you just read those numbers. Like, there's, like, no, no team has that many. Um, most NHL penalty minutes from 1990 to 1999. It was funny. I was, um, talking to a friend of mine. We were just talking about the different eras and kind of what we identify as or identify as, <laughs> you know, we, we identify as other, um, no, with a, um, like just what our era was. Like, I mean, you know, I grew up in the, I was born in the seventies. Um, you know, see so at eighties, ninety, whatever, but I'd have to say, yeah, definitely. 1990 to nine, 90 to 99 was my wheelhouse, whether it be for junior or the NHL or whatever. That's when I was, you know, you're going into high school. So all your friends are kind of into it. We used to do the goon draft at school and, and, um, that's where you didn't count points, just penalty minutes. And, um, you know, we did that and that's when I first got into fight videos and then, uh, late nineties, of course, the internet with the, um, fried, uh, the fried chicken fight boards. That's when all that happened. And I learned that other people collected VHS fight tapes and I began trading. Um, so yeah, the 90 to 99, 1990 to 1999, that was like my most influential, like that time period was when I was at my peak. I knew all the rosters, all the guys, and of course you're playing Sega Genesis and yeah, that was the big, that was my hockey fandom was that decade right there. And it was interesting reading, um, he put out the penalty minutes for that 1990 to 99. Uh, number one was, uh, Ty Domi. Second was Rob Ray. Third was Gino Oja. And while well, Domi had the 2,563 and Ray had 2,528, then he had Gino Ojic, Craig Berube, then Probert, McSorley, Peluso, uh, Ronnie Stern, which made a surprise, uh, Kelly Chase, then Shane Churla. I did not realize Stern had that many, that many penalty minutes. Stern's an underrated, um, definitely an underrated fighter, though. Um, you know, not the biggest guy. You know, he'd ride a shotgun guy. He wasn't the main guy, but uh, he wasn't, like, a number one. But, no, I, was, I always dug Stern. He was cool. Most penalty minutes in the NHL from 05 to 09. Chris Neal. And Avery, Carcillo, Peros, La, Lapierre, or Brashear, Yarko Rutu. Jody Shelley, and then Shane O'Brien. Yeah, so he just kind of does... Um, um, Oh, here you go. Most major penalties in the NHL from 2000 to 2004. Um, so in four years, Peter Worrell had 97. Then Nazarov with 94. Oliwa with 93. Shelley, Barnaby. Matt Barnaby, 81. Reed Lowe, 78. Johnson, Domi, Vandenbush, and LaRock. Yeah, so he just always kind of does like just like little, uh, interesting little numbers like that. And, uh, I don't know. I always kind of, um, 
you know, I, I just kind of dig that stuff. And, uh, I was asking about the eighties and stuff. So hopefully he, uh, he, he gets back to me with that. We hear most major penalties in the NHL from 1995 to 1999. Paul Laws was number one with 134 fights. Then Domi with 121, Audrey's with 120, and Grimson with 107. Yeah. And, um, you know, Barnaby, 84. Barnaby was a bad dude, man. I like Matt Barnaby. Like, I know he runs his mouth and everything else, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Barnaby fan. Um, and everybody's like Avery. Well, well, but even Avery, I mean, you can say what you want about Avery. And I mean, his after hockey, like, I always thought Avery was a goof. And even as a life after hockey with the stuff, he's a fucking clown. But, um, the dude fought. I mean, you look up his numbers, the guy averaged a fight every five games. So you can say what you want about Avery, but dude would fight. And like I said, you could say what you want about Barnaby. The guy had 200 and some career fights. So, and against tough, like he fought Grimson and all those guys. So, like he wasn't just going, like, yeah, he was a pain in the ass and would yap and whatever, but there's no denying who he fought to be, you know, I don't think anybody can really take that away from him. But yeah, there we go, folks. That is, um, whatever this was, today's show. But again, tough guy numbers on Twitter. Definitely check him out. Nice guy. Um, yeah, he does some cool stuff. But, um, yeah, there we go. Another episode. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, I get, I'm just kind of looking at my, kind of scrolling my sticky note here. And I basically, I don't, I don't really know what I covered or what I said today, but I just sort of rambled. And, um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And, uh, and really, um, the, the last month, um, has been really strong from a download, uh, stance or numbers. And, uh, I want to thank everybody. I know, well, clearly judging by the numbers, I have a number of new listeners and uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, thank you for putting me in the rotation. Um, I know there's, there's always a new podcast coming out and ex players there. I mean, every friggin' retired hockey player seems to have a podcast these days. And, um, and like I said, it's tough to compete against those guys, um, in terms of like, you know, trying to get, it's not competing in, in a, in a content sense. It's just competing against the name and just in the listens. Cause if you just go to Joe fan, who are you going to listen to Darren or John Scott? And they've never listened to a podcast before. Well, they'll go to John Scott cause they, I mean, he's an expert. They know him. The, who am I? Right. So you're always competing against the name. And, um, so that's tough. And, uh, and like I said, like even this week when Spit and Chicklets had Wingfield and, Wingfield and all those guys on, hey, I'm happy for those guys to be on the show. That's a big, that's a big fucking spotlight for those guys. And, um, you know, and that's really cool. And uh, it exposes them to a whole new audience, tens of thousands that listen to that show. And that's cool. But like I said, when you're sitting here and I, I interviewed Brad Wingfield two years ago and he told all those stories two years ago. You know, um, it's frustrating at times. And, um, so yeah, so you're always competing against the name. So the fact that I have new listeners, um, like my download numbers are literally up. I'm not lying. I've, I have the numbers. They're up like 110%, uh, this month. And, um, and like I said, and I want to thank all the guests, uh, Pete Vandermeer, Tristan Grant, Wade Brookbank, Colt King, Paul Ferrone. Um, you know, they, they put the, uh, they promote it, it. It it means so much to a small podcaster like myself or Alec or Joe um, when the guest promotes his appearance and even just mentions it on his Facebook channel because then his friends and family will listen and their friend. You know what I mean? And it shares and it's a domino effect. 
Because, I mean, I can tweet it and post it and whatever. Well, my main listener, they see that all the time. It's just, it, it appears in their feed. Oh, Darren has another podcast. You know, whatever. But when you retweet something or when you share something, that goes to your audience, which is different than mine. So that's why I always ask people, hey, it's great when you when you like my, and I appreciate everybody that listens. But if you can re- retweet the episode or if you're on Facebook, share it with your friends in your timeline because maybe they'll listen to it oh hey jim you gotta listen to this guy yeah he's got a great with ferone it's cool you know remember that guy in seattle and you know and they share it and then it goes to their friends and their friends and their friends you see what i'm saying and it's a domino effect and it and that's how it spreads you get the six degrees of separation right um it has to go beyond my friendship group or the enforcer group so if uh i'm not just saying with myself but with any of our small creators for anything that you listen to if it happened to be a youtube channel Another podcast, if it's a fucking podcast about Civil War, whatever, um, retweet it. Just hitting a little heart and you like it. That's great and that's cool and I appreciate everybody that does that. But if you could retweet it, that means that, that'll help us out more. Cause like I said, then it exposes us to your, your, your friends on your timeline. And maybe one of them listens to it. Maybe one of them retweets it and blah, 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 blah. Down the line we go. So that's where all that, uh, comes in is what I'm saying. But like I said, this this month has been fantastic. The numbers are great. Um, so again, I just wanted to say that. And uh, oh, here we go. Um, and I wanted to thank everybody for that. Um, like I said, it's really cool. Like I said, when you get and when you get a two year old interview like Brad Wingfield, I mean, I understand the Danbury thing, but all of a sudden it shows up in my oh, you're, in your September, it's got this many downloads. Like holy shit, really? Um, you know, it comes back, it's come back from the dead. So I, I'm, it's really cool to see people kind of, um, you know, uh, going back in the back catalog and discovering that for the first time. That's really cool. Um, and like I would say, please, if any, if you're new to this show and you're, and you're just listening now, um, please go back and check out the back catalog. Marasty, McIntyre, Ted Arenko, Brad Wingfield, Frank Kovacs, uh, Josh Mazer Graf, on and on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with all the interviews I've done with guys. Um, even if you're scroll, I've, I talked to one gentleman. He's just going through my back catalog now. He's really into the show. He listened to, like, I, I believe he started with the Colt King. He listened to that and then the throne and he's really, and he's, and he's digging the stuff and he wasn't a big podcast guy before. Um, so that was really cool. And now he's going through the back catalog. I think he's on episode, I don't know, 15 or something, you know, and that's, um, yeah, I mean, so that's that's really cool that you can, uh, you know, every, anytime you pick up a new listener. Um, so, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling philosophical these days. Um, I will, I, I, I never make a splash and I didn't put it online or anything like that, but this is true. Um, I'm, again, I said I was recording this on Friday, September 17th. Well, today's my birthday, um, which is why I took it off. Um, one of the reasons why I took it off, it just happened to land on a Friday, but... Um, I gotta go work tomorrow on the weekend anyway. Again, back at her. But, um, yeah, and I think anytime, um, as you get older, when it's your, I know it's cliche, but, um, I find myself looking, looking back on things and, and you, you know, and, and all that type of thing. But you, you know, you see the, um, it was sort of poetic that I found the, the Peanuts Guide to Life book today at Value Village. Um, yeah, I just sort of, um, you know, as I get older, I'm 46 now. Um, like my buddy said, you can round up in your 50. It's like, oh my God. You know, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, it's, um, yeah. 
the last couple of years doing this podcast have been have been really great. Um, but I I put on um, on social media. If it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't be on social media. Um, I hate social media. I've grown to just loathe it. Um, I always keep saying, don't scroll. I just answer my notifications, post whatever I have to post and get out. Um, some days it's easier said than done. Sometimes I do scroll and, uh, and I don't, and yeah, it's just, it, it's disappointing. Um, like I, I, I've said recently, um, I've never lost so much. I, I can't believe the amount of respect I've lost for so many people this last year and a half. And, um, like, I know there's the crazies. Like, social media is just a megaphone for stupidity. I know that. Everyone knows that. Um, and it's unfortunate when it's when it's people that you're friends with or you thought you were friends with. And I'm not, oh, he voted, he didn't vote for a guy I voted for. I'm not, no, I'm not that petty. I'm not saying shit like that. Um, and I'm not going to get into the whole, the situations facing the world. Because everyone's situation is different, whether it be financially or what have you, or where they are in their lot in life. Um... I think there's some goddamn fucking common sense things that I wish people would fucking do, but they don't because or else they make everything a political thing, which it's not, but they do, or they listen to, instead of listening, it's amazing what they'll listen to expert, like these same hockey players that will argue with a fan about, well, I played so I know, so, like, cause I'm an expert and they are, well, We'll argue with experts from, well, we'll completely discredit experts in other fields and, and listen to their favorite fucking talking head podcast or whatever. Or political figure. They, and they make, like, they've made medical things political and political things this and that. And I'm not going to get into all that. That's just nonsense. And I think everybody is so tired of that as the, um, as the world turns and, um, yeah, I don't, I'm, like everyone else, who knows what's happening in the future. Um, I'm not really happy where we are. Um, you know, like I said, for 46 years I've walked this earth and I've seen a lot of things in my time and done a lot of things and had life's ups and downs like everyone else. Um, at 40, I'd like to think I've learned a lot. Um, what's this, you know, as, as we've gone on and, uh, you know, from, from, you go in different stages of your, in your life through your high school years, like I was saying with the hockey thing there in the nineties. Um, you know, what, what's the saying? I'd, I'd like to think I'm smarter at, well, I know I am. I know more at 46 than I did at 20. And if you don't, you wasted 26 years of your life. So I'd like, everybody does, right? Like you'd like to think, although sometimes I really question. Um, I, I think when I read social media and everything else, I, I think what some people, and, and we're all guilty of this, myself included, I think when we, when we read social media, we make this assumption, well, that's everybody. Well, social media is a very small segment of the population. Plus, I think, uh, if you're looking at Twitter, what's the demographic on Twitter? I mean, I would, I would think probably 15 to 25 would be the majority. Um, and I would think anybody older than 40, 50 years old is listening to this. We'll all agree that you were fucking idiot when you were 20. So, and that's who the majority of social media is, or at least Twitter is. Well, so that's why you get Twitter the way it is. Um, hopefully in 15, 20 years, some of these people will sit down and they'll think, they'll take a hard look at themselves. And maybe they'll learn some stuff along the way. Um, 
and maybe they won't. A lot of people, and some people don't. A lot of people don't. But um, I know at the end of the year, the fourth line voice, I'm getting philosophical about things. But um, like I said, had a bunch of beer and just sitting here staring out my window and I enjoyed my day off and did some stuff I wanted to do and um, saw some things I wanted to see and yeah, I don't know, just took it easy and, and I'm, now I'm talking to you guys, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, um, I guess what it comes, like I said, with social media, um, yeah, I wouldn't be on this if, it, like I have to be on here to promote my show. Other than that, that's the only reason why I'm on here because I don't enjoy it. Um, I take that back. I enjoy putting out pictures and fight videos and that type of thing. I like creating content. I guess that's what it comes down to. I like creating content and the feedback you get. But outside of that, um, I don't like, I don't stay, I actually on social, I don't sometimes on Twitter, not so much on Facebook on Twitter. Every once in a while, I'll be snarky. If I'm in a mood, I'll get snarky and I say a few things. But it was funny the other day. I had a few people over the over the last little while, but a couple guys in the last couple of days, because um, we were talking about the election coming up here in Canada. We have to go vote on Monday and stuff. Um, they're like, we we don't know your politics, and I'm like, good. You don't need to know. Um, I think people share their pol- their political views way too much. No one cares. I've always said, if you own political gear, you're a fucking loser. Like, seriously. You're a fucking loser. No one cares. Just go fucking vote. Everyone votes for, I'd like to think. I know I'm being completely, sounding completely naive about this, but everyone has a different, like, it's a lot in life, right? Like, I just, like, I'll just go down to, like, provincially. Here in South, in Canada. Well, you have this, uh, you have some parties that are like kind of big bit corporate capitalism, whatever, and then you have the union guys and socialism and blah, blah. You know, so it depends. Like if you're a teacher in a union and stuff, you're not a real big SAS party fan, right? If you're a farmer and whatever you are, that's fine. That's your lot in life. So that's who you're going to vote for, or gravitate towards to. It doesn't make you a bad person. That's just what you, where you are in life. I don't hate those people. But I think we've gotten so much into this, oh, you're a Republican or you're a Democrat or you're a Libertard or you're a liberal, or, you know, and then people just focus on that. It's just fucking idiocy. Now, if you're way out, and I'm not talking about the extremists, because there's extreme left and extreme, you're, extremists are fucking clowns. Fuck all of you. You're a fucking extreme. I have no time for that stupidity on either side. But most sane people, middle leaning either way. You could talk to those people, sane people. These are the people I'm friends with and can converse with. My brother and I have different, obviously, political views. Not not extreme, but we have a few. We can discuss. We can talk. You know? But it, it just shit like that. With this extremism nowadays, it's just insanity. And it's like, and like, and I, and I, there's no common sense. It's just gone completely fucking cuckoo bananas. And it seems that, oh, the, the loudest, uh, like I said, when intelligence and, and like expertise and knowledge is belittled by the loudest voice is what it's become. Like I said, we're, we're not listening to doctors anymore. We're listening to podcasters that were fucking game show hosts or what have you. Like that's who we listen to now instead of experts. Or we've convinced ourselves that this certain political person that they know, what are we doing? Like, you wouldn't take that advice from anybody else about anything else. 
or it's, oh, it's fake news. Everything's fake news until it's all of, all of a sudden it's something you agree with. Then all of a sudden, well, but that that's that's real though. What are we doing, folks? Like I said, forty six years on the spin and marble, and I am now living in the dumbest time period in the dumbest society of human of mankind. I don't think as a society we've been any we we haven't been any dumber than we are right now, and it just gets amplified by social media, which is so sad. Which gets to my last part. Because I had a few people argue with me about this. We just recently had, of course, people protesting at a hospital. I will say this. You are a special kind of asshole if you were protesting a hospital. And if this loses me listeners or followers, fuck off. I don't want you here anyway. I don't care. If you're going to protest a fucking hospital at a hospital, you're a fucking sewer dweller. I was saying to somebody, if I had to take my parent, my, my mom or my dad or my wife or what have you in for chemo treatments or what have you, or if I had a loved one that I just lost and I was grieving and I came out those fucking emergency doors and some buffoon is standing there with some glittery poster about his rights and his freedoms, there'd be a fucking assault charge happening because I would beat the fucking doors off you. Fuck anybody that protests a hospital. You are the lowest of the low. You have people grieving. You have old people that you're scaring going in there. You have people going in for either going in or coming out after chemo treatments. And you're standing there with a fucking sign about your freedoms. Fuck you. That is insanity. What are we doing? And I had a bunch of people on Twitter trying to justify this to me. Yeah, but if they were a nurse and they lost their job, I'm just... Fuck you. You go take it up with your board or go get a lawyer or whatever. You don't stand in front of emergency doors blocking ambulances or people going in for fucking chemo treatment, you assholes. So if anybody listening to this takes offense to this, good. Go away. I don't care. I had a person I talked to on Twitter. Like I said, this is what brought this all up. Had to take their mother in for her chemo treatments. And they had to wade through this horse shit. What are we doing as a society? Embarrassing. So I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that here. I'm not fucking... I'm not going to edit that. I really don't care who that upset. If that upsets you, you're the problem. Fuck. Blocking emergency doors. We serious. Blocking ambulances. This is fucking lunacy. I said 46 years on this earth. I'm fucking embarrassed. So there we go. After my beers and everything else, I'm cranky. Now I'm cranky. But it's just, what are we doing, folks? What are we doing? Really? I don't know. It's just sad. But I'm slowly cleaning these people out of my social media and my timelines and stuff because I don't want to listen to you. And I, like I said, I've, I've mentioned this before on here. There's a number of players that I'd, I'd wanted to get on the podcast and everything else. But after reading their timeline, I'm fucking embarrassed. And I would never have them on this show. Because if that's the way you think... And like I said, it's not because, oh, they have a difference of opinion than me. There's a difference of opinion. Then there's nut jobs. And you're wearing tinfoil hats. I'm not, you're just a moron. No one has time for that. Like I said, you're on this, you were a skid mark on the underwear of life. And the fact that you would believe space aliens and microchipping and shedding, you're a buffoon. God. Let's not all be, let's not be stupid out there. Think of other people. Be kind. Have some empathy. Have some empathy. Be a better person. You'll have a better life. 
That's what it comes down to. Let's be kind to each other. Now that sounds hokey, but in this time, during this, and th- during these times, try it. It goes a long way. There's a lot of people going through a lot of shit right now that you can't see. I'm including myself in this. I mean, I'm whatever. I'm fine, but I'm just saying there's people out there that are battling things that you can't see and you don't know. Let's be kind to these people. Enough with the social media outrage and the bullshit and the talking heads and people with agendas. Stop. Just get some common sense and let's get on with life. Let's not be foolish. Think of others. Put others in front of yourself for once. And I think we could, we would all be better off if we all did that. There's my life lesson. There's my peanuts life lessons. One of the passages in my peanuts book, there is no sense in doing a lot of barking if you don't really have anything to say. There you go. Who, say, who says Snoopy isn't wise? So I hate to bring that episode down on a downer, but it's not really though. Hopefully, I'm not, oh, they're going to think about my words. I'm not saying that, but it's just, like I said, as I'm sitting here, and like I said, I guess as you get older, like you, you contemplate things when you're, when you're in silence on your birthday and you're just kind of hanging out and looking out the window, think of a few things. And that's what was on my mind. Like I said, this is my show. I'm going to say what I want. If I, if people out there have turned this off, well, whatever. And I guess I lost a few listeners. But you guys know where I'm coming from. The people that have listened to this show long enough, you know where I'm coming from. Let's just all have some common fucking sense. How about that? And we'd be kind to each other. Like I said, be a better person. You'll have a better life. And with that, I'm out of here. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?